Confidence plays a big part in your life. When you wake up in the morning, you go to work, you have confidence that there's a job to do and that you can achieve it. You know that you have value and that you can add value to the company because you have confidence in your ability to perform. When we look at a sports team, there's a group of people and they're training and they're trying to coordinate together to reach a particular goal. And in that competitive nature, it's important that we have confidence in our ability. I mean, you're not going to pick a sport that you're terrible at and that you just cannot do anything with. You're going to want to perform and to be involved in a sport that you know, again, that you have value and that you can give to others. You can participate and you can achieve the goal. That gives you confidence. So whether we're talking about your place of employment or a sport that you're involved in, confidence plays a big part. Now, we're not wanting to be overconfident in our own abilities because that could be disastrous. <laughs> your overconfidence can lead to your downfall. But having confidence is simply knowing and trusting in what we're able to do. But when it comes to God and living our faith, when it comes to fulfilling the Great Commission as well, we need to have confidence that God gave us this mission. He gave us this responsibility. And he wouldn't give us something to do that we were not able to do. But Christians today don't have confidence in their ability to make disciples. Christians today lack confidence that they have value spiritually and that they can give value to the cause of Christ. But if this is the situation, maybe even the situation in your own life, the next question that we have to ask is, if I don't have confidence in my service to God, what do I need to do to get this confidence? What do I need to do in my life? What do I need to implement? What do I need to add? Is there anything I need to change so that I can confidently serve the Lord? So all this and more today, I'm Damon Matichera. Let's talk missions. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm glad that you've tuned in once again as we continue this discussion around the Great Commission. Well, we've had a great week. A lot of things have happened. We just started going back out to the village on Wednesdays. Uh, up to now, we had about a one to two month break to give the farmers time to tend to their own fields. But with the rains kind of slowing down and the work lessening, we were able to restart everything and it was good to get back out to the village. Uh, I really enjoy going out there. I don't enjoy the roads. Oh, the roads are terrible. Normally, listen, I remember back in the day, it took me maybe a half an hour, 40 minutes to get to Chiambiqueso. Uh, I think the road had just been graded. Uh, that's when this machine comes and just levels the dirt. And I was able to fly. It took me like 40 minutes to get to church. Um, these days, it takes me an hour, but this week, it took us one and a half hours. But this is one and a half hours of just going up and down and left and right. And to make things worse, I wasn't even driving. I was the passenger. And I am a terrible passenger. Uh, I think Taylor was driving this week. And he's a good driver. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> 
He's a good driver. I'm a terrible passenger. And I was just motion sick. I was nauseous. By the time we got there, I don't do well being a passenger. I have to grip the wheel. I have to know where to go and how to drive and uh, and all of that. Um, it's just it's just how I'm wired, and probably why I've gotten the best missionary driving award the last 20 years straight here in Zambia, Africa. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that later, of course. But Taylor, Taylor, he's a runner-up for sure. Uh, maybe in a few years, he'll give me a run for my money, but I might have to drive next week just so that I don't get nauseous. Uh, and again, this is not a, a dig for his driving. He's a good driver. The roads are just terrible, uh, but they do eventually take us to Chambacazo. We get there eventually. Um, we are tired and we're worn out and we feel like the day should be ending by the time we get there, but we do get there. And we had a good Wednesday. We were able to spend a couple hours teaching the men, really just kind of equipping them and establishing them in sound doctrine. This is the time that we call Bible school and we're just investing in them. We're trying to impart to them knowledge and wisdom so that they in turn can teach others and they can teach their own people. That's kind of what it's all about. After that, Taylor took the women and had like a women's discipleship. Right now they're going through salvation. Um, the women generally are not very educated. I don't think any of them, maybe one out of 20, could read. Uh, and so that's a big problem. And we're looking into what we can do to have a literacy class. Um, pray, pray with us about that. But the women have a lot, they have a, such a great need. And that's one of the reasons why uh, Beth Resch, who is fundraising in the States right now, uh, is looking to come back because there is such a need with the women uh, that we need someone full-time that can just invest in them. Uh, and so pray for Beth, and if you want to support her, I'm sure you can contact us and we'll get you in touch with her. Uh, but then after that, we had our general Bible study where we, everyone in the church is welcome to come, and that's always a fun time. I think Taylor is teaching through right now Psalms chapter 1. Um, just a lot of wisdom for the people. And so pray for this church. So many times we feel like it's going three steps forward and two steps back because there is so much that is countering the message that we're bringing to the village, the message of the gospel, the message of God's word, how we should live and act as a Christian. Uh, a lot of the culture goes against it. And it, it is destructive and it is really just... Uh, teaching a different way. And so uh, it's undermining basically God's word. And so we want to go there and to give them confidence in who they are and in the work that God has called them to do. See, there we go. Confidence. We need confidence. God has given all of us, not just the people at Chambacazo, but God has given all of us this job, this task, this responsibility, and we should have confidence in it. We should have confidence in who we are as his children, as his ambassadors. And we should have confidence that he has called us, that we have a purpose, and that we should be fulfilling this purpose. You know, a lot of Christians today, they know about the Great Commission. The Great Commission is not a new topic. We've, we've talked about it how many times just here. Uh, it's, it's out there. We're taught it. We learn about it. We have missionaries coming in to give presentations. We know that there is a responsibility that we have a role to play. A lot of effort is put in teaching us about the actual act of going, 
how the Christian needs to go. I think most people are aware of this, but very little preparation is given to preparing believers to share their faith. Little preparation is given to believers so that they can feel confidence in going out and making disciples. Believers need to be trained and equipped to share their faith, and that's where discipleship comes in. But you cannot make disciples if you were never a disciple. You need to have learned these lessons, and you need to learn the Word of God so that you can take it and share it to others. Right now, in our discipleship, uh, yesterday we went out, we have like different life groups throughout Chapada, and we're looking at lesson number two, which is sharing your testimony. And all of it is kind of geared so that we are empowering people to give them confidence. They may not know the Bible in a way where they can just readily teach it, but what they can know is that Jesus saved them, that they experienced a life change, that all things are new. And they can take what they received and they can learn how to package it and write it out and work on it, streamline it, and then to present it, to give their testimony in a way that's communicating to others. You know, a lot of people, they feel like their testimony is maybe boring or it's just ineffective or nobody wants to hear it. But can I encourage you just for one second that your testimony is your story and there is someone who needs to hear it. So have your testimony ready. Be ready and be prepared. But that's what we need. We need to know how to be prepared and how to be ready for that moment. That is going to give us confidence. Knowing how to give your testimony is the foundation of knowing how to share your faith. We need to be disciples if we are to make disciples. We need to be confident in who we are. As we receive instruction, that instruction gives us knowledge, and that knowledge uh, adds to our experience as we go and fulfill the Great Commission. And the more experience we have, the more confidence that we will also have. So basically, sometimes you just have to go out and do it. I know that used to be the, the Nike uh, motto there, just go do it. So we know we have to be part of the Great Commission. Do you want confidence? Well, go and gain experience. Gain instruction. Gain confidence. When I was 14 years old, I was involved in this uh, church program called Messages from Young Men. It was a great time for me to learn how to public speak, how to write out a message and communicate that message in a way that could be easily understood. I was totally afraid. I remember the first time that I preached, 14 years old, had no idea what to say. I think I taught on humility. And I was shaking like a leaf. And I just didn't know where to go, what to talk about. Um, I think my dad even forced me to preach. <laughs> and, and looking back, I don't resent him for it at all. I'm glad that he pushed me. I needed that, that pushing to be kind of pushed out of the nest. Uh, but later, I think later, maybe that same month, uh, I, re I remember recalling just how difficult it was to talk for five minutes about the Word of God and about this topic that I had prepared on humility. But again, that around that same time, I had uh, gotten together with my friend and we were gaming with uh, this video game called Battlezone. And 
I talked for about 45 minutes. I was waxing eloquent. I talked battle strategy. I talked about the weaknesses with the enemy's defenses. I talked about how to achieve ultimate victory, how to destroy our enemies. And I was able to do that in a very uh, systematic way. I was able to communicate exactly what needed to be done. And at the end of that conversation, I just kind of sat down. I looked at the time and I said, I can't believe it. I was literally talking for 45 minutes about a video game, about a video game. And I can't even talk for five minutes about anything in the Bible. What is going on here? How does all of this add up? And then it dawned upon me that I had no confidence in what I knew from the Bible. I had no confidence with my knowledge, with my experience with God. I had knowledge with the video game. I had experience. I was able to instruct. I was able to communicate because I had all of this confidence with how to win with a bunch of uh, pressing these buttons and winning, watching this game on a screen. But when it came to real life, when it came to these these spiritual lessons, I was void of knowledge. I was void of confidence. And it kind of hit me at 14 years old, I need to know God. I need to learn something from his word. I need to have a relationship that's real. And, and from that point on, I kind of took it upon myself to grow and to know the Bible just as much as I knew my video game and to be able to instruct people and to teach people just as I did that one day for 45 minutes about some crazy game. And, and I had a great time with the game, but I wanted to have that time as well with God. And I wanted to know for myself how to have confidence with the work that God had for me. Theodore Roosevelt, he said, we gain strength, courage, and confidence in the doing. You see, it's in the doing of the Great Commission where we find that confidence. I feel like sometimes uh, those moments where I learned the most when we talk about the Great Commission is when I went out there and I tried just talking with people. And sometimes I didn't really have a whole lot of knowledge. Sometimes I wasn't really prepared. And when I ran into people and they gave me questions, questions I didn't have answers for, I would just say, you know, that's a great question, and I'll get back to you. Thank you for that question. Let me, let me come back or let me call you. But sometimes you just need to put yourself out there and do it. Now, don't confuse this confidence in God with overconfidence or self-confidence. And we'll talk a bit more about these in a minute. But your confidence must be based on biblical truth. It needs to be based on biblical truth. It can't be based on just how good you are or how gifted you are with communication or how, how long that you can talk or how just suave you are with persuading people. Because it's not about being manipulative. It's not about trying to persuade people. It's about giving a message and allowing God to speak to their heart. In Romans chapter 10, verse 2, a verse that I think we're mostly familiar with. It says, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. So Paul here is saying that these people, they had a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. 
So there are so many unbelievers who are zealously following after a God that they've created in their own mind. And in their own mind, they've created a whole system of things they need to do to find salvation. There's a lot of people that are misguided in trying to keep the commandments, trying to be baptized, trying to be good people. And they're doing these things so that they can one day receive eternal life. So we have people here that were mentioned in Romans chapter 10, unbelievers that have so much zeal, but not based on knowledge. But sadly, we have many of God's people, many believers who have so much knowledge, but without zeal. And so really what I say is that why not have knowledge and zeal? Why not know God, have a relationship with God, know sound doctrine, and be zealously affected by it to be faithful, to continue in his way, and to be active in the Great Commission? So have a plan and know where to start. If we're to be confident, you need to start somewhere. So start today and start with a plan. Have an action plan. Write down as many Bible verses on salvation and then categorize them. What, what do we mean? Well, what I used to do when I was younger, I would actually print out all of the Bible verses, like Bible verses on this topic, on that topic, and then I would fold a piece of paper and tape it in my Bible. This way I would go out and I would be ready. Uh, sometimes I would actually just write all of those Bible verses right in my Bible. I actually, I found my Bible right here. I actually have it with me. And I received this Bible from my mom and dad on February 1st, 2002. So this is an old Bible. I was 20 years old when I got this Bible. And I had already been evangelizing. I was on the streets every other day. Um, I was really out there uh, talking with people, teaching. Uh, that was the time period in my life when I received this Bible. But I want to show you something. Um, if you're watching the video here, you can look at the inside flap and notice here that I have all of these different categories of Scripture. So I have verses on hell, the living soul, the deity of Christ, the Trinity, the blood of Christ, eternal life, the destruction of the earth, good works, the covenant. Um, if I go to the very back of the Bible, Again, we have more verses on the deity, eternal redemption, going to church, the temple, rapture, circumcision, uh, the watchman, contending for the faith, uh, about God, the triune man. Okay, so, so again, look, look at there. All of these verses written in my Bible, and I wrote them there because I knew I probably wasn't going to remember everything. There was no way. I wanted to be ready. You see, having this knowledge, having the information easily accessible for me, it gave me confidence, knowing that I could go out there and no matter who I ran into, no matter what denomination they belonged to or how proficient they were in their knowledge of what they believed in, that I had my Bible and I knew where I could find answers. Now, I want to encourage you, Take the time to do this. Get your Bible, even today, this week, and write down some Bible verses so that you can be ready 
find different categories, categories that uh, you think are relevant to people in everyday conversations. And as you go out and you talk to more people, you're going to find out which verses you need to know <laughs> because you'll be talking to people and they'll be asking you questions and you'll be like, man, I don't, I don't have that verse. I'm not really sure which verse that is, but I can go research it. So go research it and then find it and then write it down in your Bible so that you are prepared. Now, this was before we had the invention of the smartphone. Well, actually, I mean, we had the smartphone back then, but I didn't have a smartphone back then. And so I had this Bible and I wrote down everything. Uh, maybe today you could actually make a little note on Apple Notes and you could just, you can have everything there. So that as you're talking to people, you have a list of scripture verses that you are ready to give this is going to give you confidence. It might be the thing that you need to just get you out there and to allow you to go without wondering if you're able to fulfill the Great Commission. If you're even, if you have the ability to do anything, to talk to people, this might give you that confidence. It helped me and I know it could help you. So I'm going to give you some, some scripture here. You can write this down. Uh, this is one category that you could have on your phone or in your Bible, maybe even both. But when we talk about salvation, one of the most important aspects is about believing on Christ and understanding that salvation is by faith without works. And so write down these scriptures. Number one, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, a very common scripture, talking about how we're saved through faith and not of works. Romans chapter 3, verse 28, how we are justified by faith without the works of the law. Romans chapter 4, verse 5, but to him that worketh not, but believeth. Again, showing the difference between one who works and one who believes. Titus chapter 3, verse 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Galatians 2, 16, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And then later in verse 21, if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Uh, earlier in that verse, he said, I do not frustrate the grace of God. And so these are great scriptures. Uh, you can rewind the video or the podcast if you want to review that list. But start somewhere. But make a list. Write down the verses and have them in your Bible, have them on your phone so that you are ready. And listen, I want you to do this and then go talk to someone because then you're going to be armed with the knowledge. You're going to have a plan. You're going to know how to execute that plan. And the more that you do it, the more comfortable you're going to be in doing it. The more that you witness, the more efficient that you're going to be, the more comfortable, the more confident you're going to be in talking to others about your faith. So ask yourself, what is stopping me right now from having this type of confidence in my life? What do I need to do? How can I achieve this level of confidence where I can just move forward with a belief in God that he is there for me and that he has given me what I need to accomplish his will? Well, understand that there are a few things that are attacking your confidence things that you need to be aware of. Number one is fear. Fear is an element that is always with us. 
And especially with the Great Commission, especially as you go out and you're talking to complete strangers, people you don't know, and yet you're you're talking to them for the first time about a topic where you don't even know if they will receive it, if they will receive you or what they will think about you or what their opinion is going to be of you. You don't know any of that. There is such an unknown factor when talking to a complete stranger and it's intimidating, it's fearful. Don't, don't be afraid. You know, sometimes it's even more there's more fear in going to people we do know, people that know us, because then we're really afraid of what are they, what are they going to really think and how is their opinion of me going to change because they know me. And maybe they, they know me and they know the real me and they're going to think I'm just a hypocrite or they're going to think that, uh, you know, this guy, you know, he has religion and he thinks he's better than me. His religion's just a crutch or this or that we are going to let our mind go crazy with fear if we let it. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare. All you're going to do at the end of the day with fear is just, is just to be held captive by it. You're going to be restricted by it. Fear is going to silence you. It's going to take away your voice. Fear is not going to allow you to speak. Confidence, on the other hand, is going to set you free. Franklin Roosevelt was the one who said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. So if you're going to be afraid, be afraid of fear and what fear will do to your life, to your walk with God, to your witness as you try to fulfill the Great Commission. Be afraid of being rendered useless for God because of fear. Be afraid of those people that you would talk to, but maybe you won't because of fear. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, but, but, but go out. Go out believing that God has you here for just this reason, for a purpose, to talk to the people that are in your life. You can do this. You, you have everything that you need to accomplish this task. And if you're prepared, then all the better because you can go out and you can have that confidence not just in the cause that you know to be true, but in your ability to represent the cause. Another element that's going to be undermining your confidence is unbelief. Unbelief. We need to remember that God is reliable and God keeps his word. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, the Bible says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Unbelief is going to undermine your faith and unsettle your confidence because you're going to be asking yourself, will God really perform everything that he's promised? Is, God, is God's word really true? Can I really believe it? Because how can I speak words of truth if I'm not fully persuaded that they are words of truth, if I'm not 100% confident that this is truth, well, then how will I represent it? Which is a good question. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 
It's one thing to believe in God, to believe in who he is, in his character, in his person. It's one thing to look at the Bible and to know it is uh, the word of God. And it's another thing altogether to believe that God is able to perform that which he's promised. It's another thing altogether to have that faith and that belief and that confidence that God will work on your behalf. As you go to fulfill the Great Commission, believing that God is there with you and that he said he's never going to leave you and that he will always be there, that he said he is going to work in the hearts of those that you're talking to, believing that he is going to do just that. You see, our job again is to go out there and to give the message and God will work in their hearts and God will draw all men to himself. But fear, unbelief, these elements will undermine your faith. Another one is self-doubt. Now, this particular trait is kind of complex because we are not able to go out in our own strength. In our own strength, we have no ability. And when we look at the work of God, if we're trying to achieve God's work in our own strength and in our own ability, well, then that will lead to certain failure. But when we look at God's work, knowing that he has empowered us, that he has given us his spirit, that he has given us all of the tools that he wants us to have to achieve this job, then we don't need to have self-doubt. We don't need to doubt ourselves because we know that he's given us what we need. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3 through 5, the Bible says, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Our confidence should not be in ourselves because we are weak. There are times when we are unable. The world and the world's wisdom will say you need to have just that self-belief. You need to believe in yourself that you are able, that you can do it, that you have the power to achieve what you want to do in your life. When really the Christian life is not about that, especially in regards to the Great Commission. It's not about what we think we're able to do, but rather what God wants to do through us. God's power working through us. The wisdom of men says that religion is just ridiculous. It's We, we are ill-informed. What did Paul say? He said that your faith should stand, or should not stand, rather, in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Don't put your faith, don't put your confidence in the wisdom of men. Because the wisdom of men, if we were to look at our society, our culture today, says that as a Christian, you're just, you're ill-informed. You're ill-informed, you're misinformed, and what you believe is just weird. It's just off. They don't appreciate our faith nor the message that we represent. Our faith doesn't rest in man's ability, but rather it is resting in God's ability to work through us. So do you want to gain confidence? Are you in your own life asking, what do I need to do to have confidence? Well, start by surrounding yourself with the type of person that you want to be in your own life. 
Be around people that you want to be like. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17, that iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. What kind of friends do you have? If you have friends that are not active in the Great Commission, then you most likely will not be active in the Great Commission. If you have friends that scorn the church, you will scorn the church. If you have friends that are skeptical of the church and Christianity, then you as well will probably be skeptical of the church as well as your faith. A believer with confidence will see what needs to be done and do it. Do you have friends like that? A believer with confidence will not hide when taking a stand is necessary. Do your friends, are they willing to, to take a stand alone for their faith and for God, for the word of God? A believer with confidence will be looking for opportunities to share their faith. They're not just going to wait for opportunities, but they're going to look for opportunities. This is the type of friend that we need to be around. And, and when we see their confidence, we will gain confidence as well. A believer with confidence will be faithful regardless of opposition or persecution because they know that their cause is just and that God is with them and that's all that matters. And they will move forward and they will be faithful and they will be consistent and they will have confidence in who they are and in the purpose that God has for their life. And that's enough. This is the type of people, these are the type of people that we need to be around. And in your life, you need to surround yourself with people of confidence. Confidence, people that are confident in the word of God, people that are confident in their faith. Do you want a friend like this? Well, be that type of friend to those around you. Be the change, be the change to see the change. You see, you can complain about how things are, or you can do something about it. Uh, instead of lamenting so much with how America has fallen and the extent to which America has just fallen in their depravity and in their rejection of God and his word, instead of just lamenting over that and saying, oh, America is just not the same as it used to be, and people today, they just don't want God. Instead of just complaining and lamenting over all of this, Go out there and, and do something. Go out there and reclaim America for Christ. Well, you say, well, that can't be done. Well, not with that attitude. Not with that attitude, it can't. You see, we can do what God wants us to do. We have that ability today to go out and to make a difference. And we don't need to change the entire world today. But it starts with changing those around us. It starts with giving the message of the gospel to those that are near us. And if we all do our part, then we will affect change in a great way. So go make disciples. Change the culture. True change will only come through a changed heart. We can complain about the culture or we can change the culture by introducing Christ and helping them to be free from their sin. You know, I tell my children, listen, it's better to try and fail than to not try at all. Sometimes we are surrounded with such a responsibility, such a task, and it seems like it's just, we're not able. We're not able to 
to fulfill what needs to be done. It's the task is so big. There are so many people that need Christ. What can we do? Even if we were to be involved, what kind of effect will we have on the Great Commission? Surely there's more people that are qualified. Surely there are better people that are better suited for the task. Surely there are pastors and missionaries and more spiritual people out there. Does it even matter if I'm involved? No, it does matter. And maybe you are afraid of failure. Maybe you are kind of doubting. Maybe you have that unbelief in your heart. Listen, better to try and fail than to not try at all. I have had many times where I've gone out evangelizing and it didn't go well. <laughs> I've talked to people and maybe sometimes I didn't have the answer for them or I, I talked to them and they didn't want it and I felt like, what a failure. But I tried and I did my part and I did exactly what God wanted me to do. And that's the most important thing. And in your life, that's what God wants as well. He just wants you to be obedient. He's not asking for you to lead a great spiritual revival in your neighborhood. Although if that were to happen, I mean, who's going to complain? But God wants you just to simply be obedient. Whether you are leading people by the hundreds, by the thousands, or whether if you're just giving people the message so they have the choice. That's what God wants. God just wants us to be obedient. But we can't just sit down and complain about the condition of our country. We can't just sit down and lament at the, the sin and the level of depravity that we see across the nation. Go do something about it. Go witness and share your faith. Have confidence. You know, there's the question, how can I confidently share my faith in a world that despises all that I believe? I was just asked this question yesterday by one of our leaders in the village. He's a headman, and he was basically asking, listen, I'm a headman in the village, and there are a lot of cultural traditions that the people expect me to lead and to have a voice on that really go against my faith. How am I to live for God? How am I to have confidence in living the Christian life if there's all these uh, expectations in our culture that I just don't want to fulfill? And that's a good question because even in our American culture, uh, culturally, there are so many expectations that Christians just don't fulfill. And sometimes people think, well, if I, if I am so godly, if I try to follow Christ to the extent that I am alienating those I'm witnessing to, they're not going to want to talk to me. They're going to think I'm strange. They're going to think I'm kind of odd. Shouldn't I want to be similar to them? Shouldn't we have some common ground? Listen, when your friend or when people around you, when they have reached the end as far as they can go, when all hope is gone, they're not going to go to someone in their life that is also without hope. They're not going to go to someone who is like them for advice and for counsel. They're going to go to someone who they see something different in their life. And if you are a Christian and you have this faith that you are living and this hope that you are holding on to, people are going to see that. 
And they're going to say, this man, this woman has hope. They have something different. And I need something different because I've tried it all. I've done it all. And I'm still in the same situation. So what do we do? We live for Christ. And people will see the difference. They will see your light and they will glorify your Father, which is in heaven. But our culture will put us in situations where we have to make a choice. Live for the culture or live for God. And the funny thing is, you could be in the bush of Africa and you have to make that choice, like this headman, to live for the culture or to live for God. Or you could be in the suburbs of America and you're going to have to make the same choice. Live for the culture. Live for God. Which decision will you choose? And will you confidently choose to live your faith, to live according to the word of God? Listen, you need to make this decision before you are thrown into a situation that demands it. When we look at examples in the Bible of great men and women who lived by their faith, who went through such uh, dire situations, but yet they were faithful. They didn't just decide to live for God at that moment. They had made that decision long, long ago. And that moment in their life that we remember them by is just the culmination of a life lived for God. It's the culmination of a consistent life. And so you need to be consistent. It's the day in and day out of just being faithful that allows you to live for God and to, and to not just follow the cultural trend that the world is trying to force us into. So if the world can destroy your confidence, then they're going to get you to back down. They're going to get you to give up. They're going to make you ineffective in fulfilling your purpose. Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about how our purpose is to give God glory. And the best way that we can glorify God is through the ministry of reconciliation, by introducing man to God and how they can have peace. This is the way in which we can give God glory. But if we give the world our confidence, then we give up our ministry. If we allow the world to tell us how to live and what to do and to intimidate us, to get us to back down, then we have no ministry. We have nothing that we can do to help people around us, to have hope and to have peace and to, to know that there is an answer to their questions and to the doubts that they have in their own life. If we're plagued by doubts, then we're not going to be able to help people with doubts as they search for truth. You need to have confidence. You need to know what you believe. You need to have a relationship that's real. If you're not having a real relationship, well, well, then maybe you don't have a relationship with God in the first place. If the world can destroy your confidence, then they're going to influence you into making you think that maybe making disciples is just too hard or that it's outside your ability. And granted, making disciples is hard. It's not an easy thing. But God would not ask you to do it if he didn't know that you could. And he's given you the tools that you need. He's given you his word. He's given you his spirit. What more do we need? Now, if we're not taking the time to familiarize ourselves with the tools that at our disposal, then that's on us. But we can't look and blame God or blame the church or blame people around us or blame our nation or blame the world. We need to look in the mirror 
and acknowledge that we have failed in our responsibility of preparing and knowing what we need to know to go out there and to share the gospel. But if the world can destroy your confidence, then they might get you just to start making excuses. Well, someone else will go. If, if I can't do it, uh, you know, I'm just not the right person. I'm not a people person. The people, 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 <laughs> people that have that gift of talking and explaining and teaching, they are more suited for helping other people to understand the gospel and to understand biblical truth. I'm not that kind of person. Maybe this is what you're telling yourself. And that's exactly what the world wants you to think because the world would not have you to be active in your faith. The world would not have you to be following Christ, to be making disciples. And the world will just keep on pecking at your confidence, trying to erode your confidence in God and in your purpose. Your purpose is to go out there and make disciples. That's why we're here, to glorify God, to bring people to him, and that is the purpose of the church. So how can I have this courage to speak truth and to share my faith, to have confidence? Because it's going to require courage, especially in the day that we're living in. It's a crazy day. And I, I usually, I watch my, my dose of the Daily Wire every morning. Uh, and the more that I listen to it, the more I realize just how crazy this world is becoming, especially our nation. Well, here's a couple of, of uh, points that hopefully can encourage you. Because we need encouragement. We need to be encouraged to just focus on the job, on the task at hand. So number one, know that his word will work where we can't. A lot of times we feel like there's so much pressure on us to perform, to produce results. And because we are results-oriented, we're task-oriented. But it's not on us to produce results. Even as a missionary in Zambia, it's not my job to get people saved. It's my job to go out there and to give them the message. As God works in their heart, they need to decide whether they will accept or reject his gift of salvation. And it's the same with you. Don't put that burden on yourself that it's on you to produce results. Just be obedient to God and let God draw all men to himself. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. So it's our work to deliver the message. It's God's work to change minds and hearts. Remember that. And that will... That will increase your confidence, knowing that it's not your work to change the minds and hearts of people. That's on God. Our responsibility is simply to be obedient. Understand as well that we are empowered to do this work. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And we've said this before multiple times today. God has given you the tools. They're at your disposal. Pick them up. <laughs> we talked about the Bible, right? We have the Bible here. I mean, look at this Bible. 
it is literally being, I know if you're, if you're just listening to the audio, you can't see the video here, but this Bible that I have is being held together with, with clear packaging tape <laughs> because I used it so much. And if you look where my fingers are, see where my, my, this is how I hold my Bible when I'm walking on the street and, and look right there. See that? I literally wore a, a hole in the flap of the Bible because that's where my, my pointer finger is. And then where my thumb is, just on this side, again, the same thing. There's a hole in the, in the front flap. I had to get packaging tape and wrap it around because it is so worn out. But I have, we all have the tools. We have the same tool. We have the Bible. That's all you need. Now open your Bible, get your Bible, get a soul-winning Bible, and write down those verses like I recommended. Or get your phone out and type out a bunch of scripture that you think you're going to need to know so that you can go and do God's work. This is your ministry. This is the work that God has called you to do. Know that God's work begins with what he's doing in you. So many times we get focused on all of the people out there, the, the unbelievers that need to hear the truth. and We forget that we as well, we are the work that God is doing. God's work in us does not end with salvation. It's just beginning. You are just as much a part of God's work as these people that are hearing the gospel for the first time. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. We're his workmanship. God is doing something in you. He's trying to, to help you and to conform you to his image. And you're created unto good works. You're, you're here to do God's work, to glorify him with the work that you do. Today, if you go and you do something, some work for God, you're fulfilling your purpose. Tomorrow, if you do any kind of work for God and you share your faith, you are fulfilling your purpose. You were created for these good works. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Listen, we are here for God's good pleasure. That's our goal. That is our objective in life, is to do his will. But it starts in us. It starts with what God is doing in us. Have confidence that God's work is being done in you. Be mindful to cultivate the salvation which you received. Now, I'm not saying that you need to work for your salvation. Uh, your justification was free, and it's apart from the works of the law. It's, it's received apart from baptism or any good things that you can do. It is a free gift of God. But after you receive this justification, after you have been pardoned, after you have been set free and you have this new life, well, we have our daily sanctification where we need to put in the work. We need to cultivate the faith that we now possess. We need to go out and, and just surround ourselves with God's work and God's people and the right kind of people that we want to be like. Remember, we talked about that. We, want to, we need to be around people that are going to encourage us, people that are going to give us the confidence that we need. 
I love going out evangelizing. I love sharing my faith, but I love doing it with other people that I respect. I love going out with people that have just as much zeal as I have. And they're an encouragement to me. It's a great time of fellowship. But cultivate that salvation that you have received. Your confidence should motivate you to action. And your confidence, be mindful of this as well, your confidence will also motivate other people to action. Be that kind of friend. Be the change to see the change. So go out there and do something. Go do something amazing, but go do something and know that God is with you and that he has given us his promise that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Yes, it's intimidating. Yes, we, there are times where we might be fearful. We might have doubt, but we can put that aside and we can focus on the mission. So have confidence. So the best way that you can have confidence as you listen to our podcast right here is by maybe going to our website. I know a lot of people, they ask more about who we are and what we do here in Zambia, Africa. And the best way to learn more about it is to go to hopezambia.com. And you can learn more about our ministry, what we're doing, a little bit more about the church that we're starting in the city and in the village. Uh, But we want you to be informed with everything that is happening within the ministry here at Hope Zambia. So again, take a look at our website at hopezambia.com. You can also go there to sign up for our monthly or bi-monthly newsletter. Uh, But we want to hear from you. So you can write us, go on the contact page, and just write us an email. Let us know who you are, that you're listening in with the podcast. Uh, Maybe uh, something that you've learned and that how this has helped you and where you are as you fulfill the Great Commission. So again, thanks for joining us today. Uh, I really enjoy being able to share a little bit more about the Great Commission and our role as we move forward in this dark world. The Bible says we are the light of the world. We need to be salt and we need to be light. So I'm Damon Matichera, and you've been listening to the Let's Talk Missions podcast. Take care and God bless.